Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good morning and welcome to the First Baptist Church. We uh, really appreciate you tuning in wherever you are, watching and listening and uh, Christian radio and podcasts and Facebook and YouTube. Welcome. Last week we took a diversion from the book of Timothy. We're getting back into the, our studies in the book of Timothy today. It's going to be chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, which will be read shortly. It's going to be uh, referring to the deacons, the qualifications for deacons. I know uh, in the scriptures the elders comes first, but um, because we've got communion today, we're doing the deacons first because they have less qualifications. It's going to take longer next week. So we'll do the elders next week, Lord willing. I'm not skipping anything. All right. Like I said, uh, the biblical requirements uh, for a deacon. And the word deacon means servant, plain and simple, servant. Or literally in the Greek, a waiter of tables, which comes in handy during the potlucks. Can ask Joe to read the scriptures this morning. Good morning. Meah page 1847 in the Bible in your pew. Verse 3. Go down to Rami verse 8. Deacons likewise are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truth of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. Then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate, with trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those have served well gain an excellent standing in the great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. All right, let's uh, start with a word of prayer. It's a good place to start, amen? Heavenly Father, again, we're so thankful to be here. We thank you for those that are watching, listening. And uh, we pray that there's so much to learn in your word, and we're never going to know it all. But uh, today is sufficient to learn the qualifications for godly men that are appointed as deacons in the church. So teach us this morning, may we uh, be teachable in Jesus' name. Amen? The Apostle Paul wrote this to uh, young Timothy, who was a young pastor in Ephesus. And he starts out in verse 8. He says, in the same way, 
in the same way, meaning uh, in the previous verses, for an elder's qualifications, or an elder as a pastor, uh, they're very similar qualifications regarding a man's character. Uh, he is to be controlled and guided and directed by the Holy Spirit, not just elders, but also the deacons. The main difference is that the elders, the pastors, are not only gifted to teach, but also gifted to expound, to preach, to explain the word of God. And not everyone can qualify as a pastor, not everyone can qualify as a deacon. We're going to look at the, the qualifications for a deacon this morning. They're not to be uh, directors, uh, nor dictators of the church, but servants having six qualifications. It says deacons are to be worthy of respect and sincere. In other words, honorable, honorable, serious about doing God's work, being called by God to fulfill his calling from God and to honor God. That's a good calling. That's a great calling. Amen. It's an honor to be a deacon. And they are to be honorable men. Another attribute uh, that's not mentioned in the NIV, used in this church, is that a deacon should not be double-tongued. In some of your versions, if you look at it, double-tongued. I used to say, white man speak with false tongue. That means deceptive. One who can't be trusted. Doesn't say one thing to one person and says another thing to another person. That's what double tongue means. Deacon should be a stopper of gossip and not a spreader of it. One you can depend on completely and confidentially. Uh, yeah, I was going to say something, but I'm going to skip that. No, I won't. Speaking of deacon, I met someone used to, I tried to speak to him about church stuff, confidentially, and what did he do? Have the speakerphone on. So his wife could hear everything. Not good. Not good. You have to be completely dependable and completely trustworthy. No pastor wants a deacon they can't trust. And I'm sure you, the church, do not want a deacon that you cannot trust. And I won't use a deacon that I can't trust. A deacon should be honest, consistent, and faithful. Faithful. The church needs men who will stand up for God's word and support the pastor 100%. If you were a pastor, that's what you would want, wouldn't it? 
This means yes. Not indulging in much wine. Not indulging in much wine. It doesn't say no wine, but not much wine. In other words, not a boozer. Not a drunkard. Not doing anything to cause a brother or sister to stumble by drinking alcohol that causes them to fall into temptation. Able to drink, but not addicted to it. It says not indulging in much wine. Not pursuing dishonest gain. And this is a warning about covetousness. And Webster's got a good answer to the question, what is covetous? What does it mean? A person who is covetous is marked by an inordinate, that's a big word that means wrong, marked by a wrong desire for wealth or possessions or for another person's possessions, desiring something that doesn't belong to us. That's what covetous means. That green-eyed monster called envy. It's not to be like that. Deacons don't qualify if a person is like that, who loves money. It's not only going to ruin that Christian's life, it's also going to ruin his testimony and his ministry. He doesn't qualify if he's a lover of money. A deacon should be a man of integrity, motivated by love for God and God's people, not a lover of money. There's nothing wrong with money, but the root of all evil is the love of money. We all need money. Not set on material things, because the love of money can compromise an honest man's integrity. Think about Judas Iscariot. I'm not only going to think about him, I'm going to learn more about him. In John chapter 12, if you'd like to turn to that. John. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 12. A story, true story, that what happened. Jesus was with his disciples and Judas Iscariot was one of them. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived. You know Lazarus, he was the one that Jesus rose from the dead. And he had two sisters, Mary and Martha, you know that. Here at dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. That's how they used to eat in the old days, reclining at the table. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. She must have had long hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples... Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? 
How noble of him. It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this, says John, who knew him. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Okay, so that's the love of money. There's a good example of what not to be. Judas would not qualify as a deacon. A deacon service for the Lord is also able to free up the pastor from having to deal with the material needs of the church. Deacons are also to promote church unity. Church unity, because the devil, he wants to divide us. So be careful how you think. It's tragic that uh, so many splits in churches are led by ungodly deacons. For one reason or another, they want to be the big kahuna, the big cheese. They want to get their own way. And it's tragic that many church splits are as a result of that. Ungodly deacons. In verse 9, it says that uh, they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith. Or holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience, as some versions say. With a pure conscience. Deacons must know their Bibles. They must read their Bibles. And most importantly, which is for all of us, obey the word of God. Amen? Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The mystery uh, that Paul is referring to is the revelation of the New Testament, the New Covenant Scriptures, which we have in our hands today, regarding who Jesus Christ is. It was a mystery to a lot of the prophets in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, to the Old Covenant saints. But now they are explained clearly in the New Testament. If you go back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, And then you read those verses at the end there in verse 16. Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. So there was, there was, it's mysterious to the Old Testament saints. And Paul used to say, I tell you a mystery. And then he goes on to explain what the mystery is. So it's revelation revealed in Scripture in the New Testament. It was hidden by to a lot of the Old Testament saints, the prophets. They didn't know what these scriptures really meant that would be fulfilled in the future. Regarding Jesus Christ, he, Jesus, appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, and was believed on in the world, was taken up to glory. That's where he is now. 
seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. The great high priest. In verse 10 it says, they must be tested. Deacons, they must be tested. And then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In other words, they need to be blameless. Blameless. A deacon has to be tested before he's appointed as a deacon to see if he qualifies. If he doesn't qualify, then he shouldn't be appointed as a deacon. It hurts the testimony of the local church when a member does not qualify as a church leader and it hurts the church. And only a spineless pastor would allow that to happen. Do you see my spine? I have a spine. Not on my watch. Also the Bible teaches in uh, the book of Titus, the pastor is to be involved in the selection of the leaders of the church. And unfortunately, things haven't always gone that way. And people, the church suffers the consequences when the pastor is not involved to give his approval of a deacon. Not just to pick any old Tom, Dick or Harriet just because they're available, oh, we'll just we'll pick him. He's walking, he's alive. He comes to church because there's no one else to do it. You better not have anybody do it instead of picking someone that doesn't qualify. Amen? And also, they must be, there is a nominating committee, but the pastor has to give his approval of the candidate. If he doesn't give his approval, then the deacon's not going to be elected because he doesn't qualify. We're learning about the qualifications. How many qualifications are there for a deacon? I've said it once. Does anyone remember? Six. Very good. Top of the class. And now we're going to learn about the qualification, not just of a deacon, but a deacon's wife. A deacon's wife. And let me tell you, if the deacon's wife doesn't qualify, then neither does the deacon. So important to choose a deacon who has a godly wife. A deacon's wife must be worthy of respect. Let's read it. 11 and 12. In your NIV. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife, that would discount Joseph Smith, wouldn't it? And must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing in the great assurance of faith in Christ Jesus. Let's have a verse 11. In the same way their wives are to be women worthy of respect not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. All right? So this qualifications for a deacon's wife. 
A deacon's wife, in other words, should not be a slanderer, should not be a gossip, or sow seeds of discord. Not one who complains. How many people are complaining about the humidity? I'm tempted to do it, but I remember when we had three feet of snow in this winter, last winter, so there's nothing we can do about the humidity, so why bother complaining about it? Deacon's wife is faithful in all things. In other words, how she acts, how she talks, how she conducts herself. And I, I know a deacon once who uh, disqualified because his wife, because of his wife's bad behavior, not worthy of respect. Therefore, he was disqualified. You know, people will either think more of a leader because of a good wife or less of him, depending on who he's married to. It says a husband's of one wife. That means being faithful to his wife. It's got nothing to do with divorce. A divorced man can become a deacon if he qualifies. Doesn't have to be married. The original Greek, and you know I know a little Greek, Stavros, It means, the Greek means, a one-woman man. A one-woman man. Uh, he said it must manage his children and his household well. And also, by the way, a single man is not disqualified as a deacon. As long as he qualifies as having those six qualifications, it's okay for a single man to become a deacon. Manages children and household well. It speaks of the deacon's home, being a Christian home, where Jesus is exalted, where Jesus is number one, and where his children are obedient. We're not talking about older, older children. When they grow up, they do what they want to do. They're old enough to make their own choices. But whilst they're in the home of a deacon and a deacon's wife, they are to be obedient. Amen. All right, verse 13. Lastly, those who have served well as deacons, they gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible says there's great spiritual rewards in heaven for all believers who serve the Lord faithfully. You are being faithful to the Lord's command just by being here this morning. Faithful deacons are to be respected for their service. And they need to be recognized for the work that they do for the Lord. Amen. The deacon's role is not primarily, primarily administrative, but practical. It's also spiritual. They're able to go visit the sick and pray with the sick. And serving deacons, it leads to great spiritual rewards in heaven. That's what he said. 
will gain an excellent standing and great assurance of their faith. When a congregation has faithful deacons and pastors, the church will thrive. The church thrives. And I'm grateful to God for the men God has raised up and their wives in this church fellowship, amen, that qualify as deacons. So that sums up perfectly the qualifications for a deacon. So let's close in a word of prayer. Again, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word. Thank you for enlightening us for some that didn't know what the qualifications are and how important it is to be an officer in the church under God, appointed by God in the service of God. And help our deacons remember to pray for them and the church officers every day and their wives and uh, we thank you that you've raised those men up in our church to serve not only you but also us which we are grateful for it would be remiss of me if i didn't mention to those of you that are not saved that you're not a christian you're not a believer you don't know you're going to go to heaven you don't have that assurance when you die, you hope you will go. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. But we will. We all will at one time. It's appointed unto man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. So, we're going to have to give an account to God for the things that we've done. But all those sins that we've committed, all those bad things, all those bad thoughts... God will forget all about those as long as our sins are washed away. This is one of the main reasons that Jesus came. He came to pay the punishment for our sins. He, he paid the price for our sins on that cross. He took the punishment that we deserve because of the sins that we have committed, we do commit, we will commit in this life. And our sins can be washed away, but only if we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. And I hope and pray, if you believe that Jesus did that for you, that he paid that price, he suffered and died because he loves you so much and he shed his sinless blood on that cross and he was buried and three days later he rose again from the dead and he is alive, he showed himself by many infallible proofs for 40 days until he ascended into heaven, now seated at the right hand of God. Now, if you believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, then you will be saved. And Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, for those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So there's a promise from God. So you can be saved from your sins, but only if you receive Jesus as your savior. And I hope you will. That'll be the best choice you'll ever make in your entire life because it will depend on where you spend eternity. Okay, well, God bless you and uh, keep tuning in and listening.
to us here at the First Baptist Church. And if you like this message, those that are watching, just give us a, a yes, a thumbs up, so we can get the word out to more people. Amen? Amen. God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.